Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Tim from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire. This is our weekly podcast of the sermon from the prior Sunday. Normally at this time, I have invited everybody to join us for worship at 8, 30, and 11. Uh, but right now we're in the midst of the global pandemic, and so we are not having worship in our building at 8, 30, and 11. Instead, you can find us online doing virtual worship using Zoom. You can find the information for all of that on our website at www.htelc.com. You can also like us on Facebook. And uh, those are the two primary ways in which to find our links to have worship with us. So it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, you can join us for worship. So thank you for listening. We hope that you find the sermon meaningful and purposeful, that it connects to your life and how you interact with the world. And most of all, it reveals God's infinite love for you and all of creation. And we continue our service with Burl reading the gospel. Welcome back, Burl. The gospel reading for today is from Mark, the first chapter. As soon as Jesus and the disciples left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her hand by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. And the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place. And there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring town, so that I may proclaim the message there also. For that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. Here ends the gospel for today. Uh, We continue with the sermon. Here you go. It's Epiphany. We're coming to the end of Epiphany. In fact, next week is the Transfiguration, and the week after that, then we get to the first Sunday of Lent, which means we're coming up close to Ash Wednesday. So just as a side note, be looking for how, uh, during the announcements, how we're going to participate in Ash Wednesday this year and what we're going to do during Lent. But we're not there yet. We're still on Epiphany. And I've had maybe that the word Epiphany kind of means to have a revelation, to have this awakening about who Jesus is. So I think I had an awakening about what Epiphany is. Frequently, I will talk about what Epiphany is in relation to the larger question of what's going on with the seasons of the church, right? If Advent is preparing for the child to be born, Christmas is celebrating the child being born. Epiphany is, who is this child that was born? 
And so, as we said, we get a lot of scriptures, and you've heard these scriptures during Epiphany that started with the baptism of Jesus, right? This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And then we get a lot of scriptures where it seems like Jesus has been doing a lot of healing, in which we hear about the power and the authority that is given to Jesus because Jesus is God's son. And so it's almost like the whole point of it is just to come to that understanding. There's God and there's Jesus and Jesus is directly related to God, right? Who is this child that was born? God's son was born. But my epiphany about epiphany is that I think if that's all where we stop, we're missing the point that it isn't so much about who is Jesus, but maybe Epiphany is as much about what does Jesus reveal about the nature of who God is, or what does Jesus say about the character of God? Because that is a prevalent issue throughout all of these things, right? We've talked about the good news. What is being announced that God's kingdom is coming? It is not Caesar who rules, it is God who rules. And so the question then becomes, what is the rule of God like? What is the kingdom of God like? Which reveals the nature of who God is. And I think this passage can give us a lot of insight into the nature of God if we can look beyond just the healing or the miracle itself that Jesus has the authority to cast out demons. But who is Jesus performing these miracles for or perhaps on? And so I want to look at that first part when Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law. Because we hear about a great miracle, but we so miss out on the offensiveness of the miracle because it's not offensive to us. But I think it really was offensive to the people of the day as I've been doing more reading about it. And this is why it was so offensive. Jesus, it says, takes her hand. No big deal, at least. (laughs) Normally it's no big deal. Right now there's no touching going on at all and we long for that touch into the hands. But back then you didn't touch somebody else's hand. Particularly you didn't touch, a male didn't touch a woman's hand unless that woman was part of that immediate household. And Peter's mother-in-law right? You have these, the, the relationship established between Peter and this woman, and it's not Jesus's immediate family, but yet Jesus reaches out and touches this woman's hand. He shouldn't be doing that. So God, an aspect of God, he crosses over boundaries that were put up. And not only does he touch this woman's hands that he shouldn't be touching, but she is sick, right? She's sick. You don't touch a sick woman. You don't touch a woman's hands. You don't touch a sick woman's hand. So offensive. Not only does Jesus touch a sick woman's hand, but he does it in her own home. He does it. He's not in a holy place. He's not in the synagogue. He's not in other places where healings maybe should be done, but he's doing it in this intimate, private place that he shouldn't be in. And yet here is Jesus 
crossing borders, crossing boundaries, breaking down these walls in order to do a healing that needs to be done. The world of Caesar, of which Jesus is coming into, so we always have to compare, almost in a way compare the two, is one that is very hierarchical. You have somebody at the point, Caesar, you have then it gradually disperses down to here's where the mass people at the bottom. And everybody's trying to climb and claw their way up to the top. And then you have the world of Jesus, who <laughs> Jesus is God's son. Realistically, Jesus should be at the top. And yet what does Jesus do? Goes to the bottom, in fact, turns that whole pyramid upside down and reveals what the kingdom of God is really like, reveals what the nature of God is like, reveals what the character of God is like, that it is not how do we scramble to get to the top, but rather everybody is equal at the foot of the cross. There is no top, there is no bottom, there is only everybody. Everybody needs to be healed. Everybody needs to be loved. Everybody needs to be touched. Everybody needs. And Jesus does away with those boundaries that says you should or should not, depending on who that person is. And simply says, you have a need. I can heal it. Let's get to work. So Epiphany isn't just about Jesus is God's Son and the power and the authority that is given to him, but it is about how Jesus uses the power and authority that are given to him. And you notice what happens as Jesus heals this woman who is sick in her own home. The next thing, everybody flocks to him. Because, oh my gosh, can you imagine the hope that these people would have when they are told they matter? When they hear there's hope for them in a world that says you are the hopeless, people come out in droves to get a glimpse, to get a taste, just to get an idea about this new world that is being inaugurated. Inaugurated? <laughs> that is beginning. And the life of Christ that now they get to be part of. What's interesting is as that story goes, Jesus does the healing. Everybody comes out in droves. More healing goes on. Jesus is tired. He needs to go away. He, go away. he needs to retreat. He needs to take time and breathe. And eventually they come, and I like how it says, they hunt him down. <laughs> you can almost hear the desperation in that, right? In that word hunt. It's like, oh my gosh, we need more of this. This isn't just, hey, when you get a chance, can you go find Jesus? We have a couple requests. But they hunt him down because this message of love and acceptance and equality is balm to their souls, balm to their lives. 
and they so desperately want more of it. And what Jesus does, he could easily, readily go back. There's more work to do where he was. But instead, he says, let us continue on and proclaim the message there. Let us move to the next place. Because people need to hear it there also. It makes me wonder a little bit about what happened in that past village where he was. Did things just shut down? Did it stop? How did it play itself out in that community where Jesus once was and now he moved on? Do people just go back to life as they knew it before? Or was there a change within that community when they see that somebody dared to hold the hand of a sick woman who wasn't in their family in her own home? Did they get a glimpse of this is what life could be like? And so what Jesus does, there's a glimpse there, and now we go on and we give a glimpse somewhere else, and then we go on and give a glimpse somewhere else. What does that mean for the church? <laughs> there's so much work to do, we're not going to do it all. But where do we give glimpses? Where do we give hope? Where do we continue in the work that Christ has begun? Where we have experienced that balm for our souls, that healing message in our lives. And then do we just go on and continue about our day as if, all right, I received my healing, now I just go back to how it was, or... Do we proliferate that message? Do we help it continually to transform the community in which we are in? These are answers or questions that I don't have the answers for, but there's questions that simply as Christians we are called to wrestle with, to struggle with, to always be asking ourselves. To have the revelation of, right? To have an epiphany about not just wondering who Jesus is. But what does Jesus reveal about the nature and characteristics of God? And then what does that mean for our lives? Luther is so famous for, if you ever had to memorize the small catechism, the large catechism, you'd go through the Ten Commandments, you'd go through the Apostles' Creed, right? All those things. You memorize what it is, and then the question of, what does this mean? To me, that's where the epiphany of things lie. When we ask ourselves, what does this mean? And we allow ourselves to have a different, to be open to a different answer than what we have had before, than what we've been told before. The epiphany is, I always thought God was like this, but now I'm coming to understand God is really like this. And what does that mean for me? What does that mean for my neighbor? What does that mean for the world? If this is what God is like, who crosses boundaries, who heals those who people have said, you have no business being healed. That's epiphany. The understanding not just of who Jesus is, but who Jesus reveals God to be.
May you see God revealed in your life in new and profound ways today and every day that is to come. Amen.